Hi again, and thanks for listening to Trilove. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at at Trilove Podcast. In this episode, we were happy to be joined by friend of the show, Nabil Azuzi, to talk about Alfred Hitchcock's first feature film, The Pleasure Garden. The movie features racist undertones and climaxes with a scene in which one of the more insidious characters violently drowns his underage lover. We talk openly about these aspects of the movie and just as an advisement before we actually get to it. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So, once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. Big red button. That BRB. 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 So we're, we're recording right now. We're recording. So we can't you know. tell? We just turned on. Do we just want to like do like a little riff beforehand, or like a, a cold open? You know? No, we've done that baby. so many Let's times. Let's do it. That's fucking. Played. He hates. Yeah, I think he just hates editing. Hit it. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, I gotta find an actual. Hit do it. you have a bit right now? Where's the bit? bit? No, this is Where's the, bit? the bit. This is the bit. Get the bit ready for the next episode. We are talking about the bit. Okay, for right now. Thank you for listening to. What's the bit? Oh my god, you stopped me. I just don't get it. Thank you for listening. I just don't get what the bit is. Thank you for listening to Try Love, a literal roundtable podcast about movies we've seen at the Trilon. I'm Jason. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. I'm Harry. And we have a special guest with us today who saw The Pleasure Garden with us, Nabil Azuzi. Hey, what's up? Thank you for being on, and thank you for lending your voice. Uh, we will expect a lot of you. Oh, thanks for having me. Wow. You kind of got to carry this one, actually. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. I, I don't know how much I have to say. That is movie. Yeah. Yeah, you that. are the atlas holding up the sky that is this episode of the podcast. You know, so. that's fine by me. So yeah. We'll make it the longest. Actually, Redbeard was our longest, I think, so far. Was it really? Uh, it was Seven like, Samurai was very long, too. <coughs> well, that's true. As far as ones we've released. 121 minutes. I think. I think Seven Samurai was an hour and a half. Two hour and 21 minutes. No, I think I think uh, Redbeard was more like 127, Damn. 130. Yeah. I mean, Redbeard's three hours long. We can talk some long. real mean bullshit about a lot of movies. Uh, so we're talking today about The Pleasure Garden. It is um, Hitchcock's, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, Mr. Alfred Hitchcock's, Sir Mr. Alfred Hitchcock. Mr. Cock. Alfred, don't call me Alfred Hitchcock Hitchcock. I'm going to hitch my post to that cock. Sorry? Uh, it's his first feature film. It's about, what, 70 minutes long. I'm going to read the Trilon's description of it from yeah. the website. Um, this it, is the Trilon's description from the website. From the website? From the website? Trilon.org? It's Trilon. The Trilon's description? It's not the Trilon.org. Just Trilon.org? It's just Trilon.org. And that's a website? That's a website. If you enter that in your address bar. Organization. If you misspell it, you right. might end up at Google, but it's like a find movie it theater? like first result anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so on their website, which is Trilon.org backslash film backslash the hyphen backslash... Pleasure hyphen garden backslash twenty nineteen hyphen o three hyphen o three hyphen thirty. Hey, what uh, what's backslash. the uh, Shh, wait? What's my phone's oh. about to die, so I'm going to get through with this. Um, nineteen twenty five, seventy four minutes long. Uh, the earliest surviving Hitchcock film displays flair and graceful comedic timing as it follows the chorus girl Patsy Brand, played by Virginia Valley, uh, through a series of show business travails with live musical accompaniment by Dreamland Faces. Some of that's true. Some of that is true. The Dreamland Faces part, absolutely true. Very true. This was uh, this is a silent film, of course. It was scored 
by um, Dreamland Faces, uh, which is, uh, I believe it was a quartet. Were there four people there? Five? I believe so. Um, I think four, right? They had violin, cello, uh, multi-instrumentalist who was playing a lot of accordion and right. concertina, and then, uh, oh, a drummer. So it was five. Yeah. Quintet. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. And man who was playing bass and uh, occasionally saw. That's yeah. so much fun to hear live. Yeah. It was It was really cool. They were by far the best part of this experience. Definitely. We were like, uh, it was Harry and Nabil and I went to see this movie together. You saw it later. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I want to get your perspective on it because you were not there live. Sure. Uh, so I guess we, yeah, we can we can kind of set that up. So this is Hitchcock's first. You said surviving film. Uh, so before this, there was a he was kind of signed on to direct a film called Number Thirteen, um, which was just unfinished. I think they just like ran out of money after like two scenes had been shot. Ooh, thirteen. Um, and he kind of never really talked about it. Um, and also, he had directed a short film called Always Tell Your Wife, which is a good like Hitchcock name, I think. Um, but yeah, so this is his first surviving film. So you guys saw this at the Trilon, and it was what about like eighty-five, ninety minutes long? It says seventy-four in the description. Or, yeah, seventy-four. Oh, that, that's about right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that is my understanding is that is the twenty twelve restoration. Um, that is kind of the one that you can see if they're doing events like this. This, this was on film. DCP. This was not a film presentation of the trial. Right. So yeah, yeah. You're probably right. Um, and so I saw this just on YouTube. Uh, shout outs to YouTube. There. Yeah, shout outs to... Well, I watched Wanda on YouTube. Shout outs to YouTube. What do you see on YouTube? Wanda. That's oh, the way that's I watched good. that movie. Seven yeah, Samurai's also... It was at like 1P resolution, but... 1P. I watched Stage Fright on YouTube, I think. I watched it on Fandango. There you I've go. Never done that if you before. can look past all like the Nazi stuff, uh, you can find old films on YouTube. There you go. You can excuse Nazis. <laughs> no, I'm not excusing. It's just if you can somehow find your way past the algorithm. Yeah, of fuck complete bullshit. We don't need actually. we don't need this centrism <laughs> in my podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I saw this on YouTube. The version on YouTube is a um, kind of a cut that Raymond Rohauer put together. He was kind of a I don't know semi-famous uh, kind of film historian. Uh, from the 20th century. Uh, it is only 60 minutes long, which uh, I don't think I'm spoiling anything. I don't think any of us loved this film, so I got to see a 60-minute cut instead of a 80-minute cut and maybe went down a little smoother. I also didn't have to pay 10 bucks to go to the theater to see it. Which wow. This is a Trilon podcast, I, I, so be careful. I watched this how like... Uh, Pardon so, my reach, me, just grabbing another donut here. Yeah, no, yeah, no worries. Yeah, 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 grab a donut. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, so... Uh, so it went down pretty smooth for me. I mean, it's again. I watched it on YouTube. It was pretty quick, nice silent film. I guess what are our, what are our thoughts? I guess what are your thoughts sitting in the theater? Uh, I definitely enjoyed it more um, in the theater, uh, primarily because of Dreamland what you, faces. What, you, what it theater? What theater? He's yeah. always pronounced it like that. You don't need to call it out now. Oh, okay. what do you pronounce it with two syllables? Theater. Theater. Oh, cool. Ouch. You Wait, that one how's it living in Louisiana? Louisiana. How do you pronounce <laughs> Wait, that we word? We can edit out the, the attack on the theater. Theater. theater, yeah. That was, that's an uncomfortable middle ground. I, I didn't mean I to call you out. I thought you were le- legitimately doing like, a, like oh, I went to the theater, and I was like, oh, okay. It's oh, a three-syllable word. You thought he was putting I, on a 1925 like, It's a three-syllable it's a th- word. Th- the theater. Going to... It's like if you were to say unhistory, you know what I mean? I'm not like, going to say technically theater, which is the correct pronunciation. But I'm not. I'm not that guy. I'm not going to say theater. <laughs> you should do that. Actually. I should. You I should. should start do oh, I enjoyed seeing accent. this at the theater. Actually, this is a Hitchcock film. So yeah, if you would, if you do a slight British accent and just I, that comment. would be right, right on. Yeah. Anyway, point. sorry to cut you off. I'd be no, able to right. continue. Yeah. Just if there are any other words that I mispronounce, <laughs> please. I will bring them up. Uh, yep. That's right, Cody. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Cody. Um, I don't know. The Dreamland Faces was really cool. There are some shots in this movie that are really good. 
Um, it, it plays with color in a really cool part. Uh, a standout moment for me um, was a moment when they returned to um, Patsy's. We should probably do a plot summary at some point. Yeah, uh, so we already um, talked about how the Trilons wasn't great. Keep that yeah. point in mind, though. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, this was a week and a half ago or so that I saw this movie. Some plot details might, have, might escape me. Uh, Virginia Valley plays Patsy Brand, who is a chorus girl um, in London, I think this was set. Yeah. Right? Uh, Jill Chain, played by Carmelita Garrity. Sounds about Everybody right. Everybody cool with that? Garrity. Yeah, go um, She's dead. It's fine. Keep going. She is new to town uh, and lands looking for a job. Um, Patsy sort of is her... Uh, it, there, there's a there's a trope. There's a very famous character in cinema who's no, who's like that role, right? Who is like Patsy Brand her, from the Pleasure Patsy Garden. Patsy Brand in the Pleasure Garden, 1925, DCP, uh, and sort of serves as her introduction to this world. Helps her get the job and helps her uh, like navigate the world of big um, city life, kind of big city life yeah. and working in yeah. Uh, Patsy, a like out of the kindness of her heart, right? Like mm-hmm. she just is a character with a heart. She's of a very gold, gregarious she, like, character. Takes My- in this this sort of lost. Mm-hmm. And shares her room with her, which I was like, yeah. wow, that is a very nice thing to Committed. do to someone I, that you I met find, like yesterday. I find it fun that I won't cut you off, off Nabil. You go ahead. I was going to say, it. I feel like in modern times that can be seen as like very gregarious and friendly. But I also think like the historical context in like the 1925, I don't see it as like that far off just because yeah. we hadn't developed like our strong paranoia of strangers. I mean, reasonably understandable strong yeah. paranoia of strangers that About we have today. Before World War II. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I, I feel like for its time, it makes sense. Also, we hadn't developed as strong of like a, not that it's strong now, but we hadn't developed a social safety net, right? So if yeah. you moved to this, you kind of needed to rely on other people yeah. in that manner. As opposed to now when is we it, have our yes, great well, social safety point. net. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> this problem doesn't exist anymore. Thank God. There's, there's Thank God. Can we just hear we it, it, it for uh, society? President Al Gore. Woo, President Al Gore. So we follow this pair, um, and it's a, it's a nice friendship that they've got, a really good relationship, but it was like the heart of what at I first. really liked about it. Yeah, at first, what I really liked about this movie until, and Harry's eyebrows are touching the ceiling, <laughs> <laughs> uh, until... Jill sort of allows the world of uh, of of being a star of the theater of the theater. I can't do it. I shouldn't. I'm so sorry for treading <laughs> on your work. Um, she allows the the world of the theater to sort of uh, swoop her up, and she is eventually falls in with uh, maybe against a little bit against her will with a high profile visitor to the theater, the prince, prince, uh, prince Ivan, Ivan, played by Carl Falkenberg. It's I don't know. She she struck me as like a. Like a, a person who became increasingly interested in social climbing, and Prince yeah, Ivan was sort of in a way. right, and yeah. was a, a means for her to uh, attain that. Sure, um, it, it felt to me like she was being set up because there is a part at which the the owner of the um, I'm forgetting what the guy's name, is, Mister Sidey for for no, no Oscar Hamilton uh, is yep. the guy who actually nice. runs yeah. the. Um, the Theater. cabaret played by Georg H. Schnell. Which is the Pleasure Garden. We should point out that the name of the theater company is the Pleasure Garden. Right. Uh, which and is he, where the name of the movie comes from. This he's movie sort of is called a, The Pleasure Garden. Interesting trivia. Yeah. <laughs> he's sort of a hard-ass character. He's His first introduction is that he's smoking this big-ass cigar in front of right a sign that says no, no smoking. smoking. That's a really good shot. That is yeah. very, like, this movie is very charming right off the bat, uh, which we can get into a little bit later. But the plot goes that... Um, Jill is eventually uh, sort of secluded uh, in her life of stardom while Patsy sort of 
struggles remaining obscure. She never really complains about being obscure. She still supports Jill in right. a lot of there's, ways. There's like a definite, especially in the first act, like kick the dog sort of uh, plot to this where like Patsy just helps everybody out and she keeps getting punished for mm-hmm. it, right? Like like it turns out that, that Jill is like a social climber and she like makes her debut on the stage and like steals everybody's attention and Patsy has to play like supporter to her. There's a great scene where Jill moves out of the apartment and she's like, well, you understand, now that I'm a star, I can't live in squalor. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, did she put you up? But, uh, so that was a Damn, good... Damn, you help some... out your friends and they turn on you, dude. Damn, Fucking dude. Fucking fake friends, dude. It's real. Dude. It's real shit, man. Sleeping Still on my couch. 2019. How out. many of us? Listen, How many of us? Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> real bad. friends. I mean, bad, but not bad. Uh... And as the movie goes on, things get a little more sorted from there with uh, sort of this love affair, this triangle that forms between Patsy and Jill and uh, Hugh Fielding, played by John Stewart, who is um, Jill's betrothed. Uh, Michael Fassbender-looking motherfucker. Yeah, real strongly Michael Fassbender-looking. Yeah, he is, though. Especially Actually. at the end. Like, he's straight yeah. out of 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. Uh, when he's about like, the acting. Yeah, well, no, no. you know, not fast bender level player. <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I, Hugh Fielding was the um, the the good guy, quote unquote, who gets oh. sick near the end. Okay, I'm uh, sorry, I'm forgetting. Yeah, I, I think you're talking about Levitt. I'm talking about Emma, yeah, we're yes. talking about Levitt. Miles they played Mander. by Miles Mander, who um, Miles is, Mander. What a what a good also name. also really good names in this movie. He's a Miles Mander guy. <laughs> Ooh, Miles Mander, my favorite. I say Miles Mander is like a like a Calvin and Hobbes, like one of his like you know like his dream like uh, adventure scenarios, sure. like Spaceman Spiff. You know, like Miles, Miles Mander. Mander. Oh. Yeah, it is very much like that. I was gonna say like before like Sega decided to go with like a '90s pun, like Miles Mander was like Tails' original name. Sure. Before, like, oh. Miles for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Alex Kidd and Miles Mander. Yeah. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I hear it. It um, has like a serial, like a like a World War II serial uh, film. Oh, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. This is Miles, Miles, Miles Mander here. as he takes on the Nazi threat. Yeah, I was going to say, this is Miles <laughs> Mander for CBS News. Good. good night and good luck. One <laughs> <laughs> uh, of the first things I ever said to Harry was good night and good cuck. I'm just remembering that line right now. That was now. one of the first things of the you ever first said to me? Th- it was when I was still very uncomfortable with our friendship because uh-huh. I'd just barely known you from Game Informer. Wow. And you bring up yeah. the idea of cuckoldry. And I loved it <laughs> so <laughs> much. And it, and it, it, it whipped ass and yeah. now inseparable. I uh, laughed so hard I nearly lost consciousness, much like I am now. <laughs> he woke up and he was bald. Don't know this how was that before cuckoldry had all the negative social implications. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this was, this when was it was okay to be a cuck, it. It was, yeah, it was just a fine thing that people. When were the only into. place you could find it was like in weird searches on Pornhub. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is that yeah. where you found I, it? Weird searches. So I'm told. Oh. By, yeah, not the normal search. By not my brother with whom yeah, I watched. Yeah, of course. Sure. Um, things get more sorted from there with uh, Hugh and Levitt taking a trip overseas. It seems to be somewhere in the Middle East. Yes. Okay, so, Nabil, you looked this up, right? Yeah, so uh, for me, I wanted to do my research, uh, and I decided to look up. Like, after I'd seen the movie, I looked at the plot on Wikipedia. You are overqualified for this Yeah, podcast. no kidding. <laughs> um, and so in the movie itself, I recall it saying the East. That's they say that they, several times. Yeah, yeah, they refer to it as the East. However, on Wikipedia, they call it Africa. And the seat itself, <laughs> as someone from North Africa, Africa, like my dad, side of the family's from there. I had kind of mis- like assumed the set was like set in the Levant. I mean, it makes sense, like post World War One. You kind of have like an outpost and like Transjordan yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'd assumed it'd be something like Lawrence of Arabia esque, based on the set. However, and based on this, like the way it's set, yeah. like it looks like that, yeah. mm-hmm. in the movie, yeah. And so, um, but Wikipedia calls it Africa. So I think Egypt. Yeah, I think maybe? it's strong. Also, yeah. not east. Yeah, like you pointed out yeah. that, that ain't east None of, of those Europe. Are no, east. even in geopolitics for like the 1920s, Africa is directly south of like whenever you <laughs> mention the 
right. East. It turns out that You'd Africa's like, always been south of Europe. I had, thought at first, I had thought at first when I said the East may be India, like the Indian DNA, right. especially yeah. with the colonial ties to the Great Britain. Like, yeah. 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 I, but you know, Egypt. I'm so – I'm just flabbergasted. I'm ass-blasted by the fact that, <laughs> uh, that Alfred Hitchcock, a, what, 30-year-old white man from London, could have just generalized entire continents of people <laughs> – for his movie by calling them got the East. Tripped out a little bit. I'm sorry, that's an important point. But I got tripped out a little bit by hearing you refer to Hitchcock as a 30 year old because he would have been. I, Hitchcock I has always just been date, 500 yeah, years old. To me. Six, just 60 years <laughs> yeah, old. Perpetually. Kind of from the time from like the 1930s to the 1970s, he was 60 <laughs> years old. He's, to me, he's Danny DeVito without the height problems. <laughs> And Wait, no, come, that's an insult to Danny yeah, DeVito. Yeah, Danny DeVito's a, a great DeVito's a bro. I'm only talking about the physical attributes. Okay, oh, yes, okay, you're sure. right. Yeah. Yep, you're right. So you got like the, the partially balding, the very egg-shaped face. Danny DeVito is like... Chungus. If you, if Danny you, DeVito's <laughs> fantastic. If yeah. you got uh, Alfred Hitchcock and you like put him through some sort of like soul-sucking machine, like Danny DeVito is what would come out the other end. You know wow. I mean? But not in a bad way. Like maybe a, maybe a soul-rejuvenating machine. Yeah. Like, like reverse yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> you gave this man life. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say, maybe also this found is a... Pornhub searches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny DeVito, a frequent... Uh, Frequent collaborator there. I would, I would, hey, I would offer you this him. nice egg. <laughs> uh, no, so I was going to say maybe this is a difference uh, in the cuts of the film, but I think my my text of the film, I don't think it ever specific. I think it. I I want to say maybe maybe once in the movie it did say Africa, the text that I had uh, in the film, but I I do know for sure that there are some differences between the version that I saw, the version that you saw, for instance, the name I'm of the dog. Cody. What's that, Cody? Shout out to the dog in this movie. The dog was very, very good. No, yeah, yeah. Shout out to the dog in this movie. Yeah, no, the dog is the That's dog is point. great. Um, but the dog I was very, very. The good. dog uh, in my version of the movie was referred to as uh, I think Cuddles, and I think you guys it was Chum. Yeah, uh, it was Chum. It was, yeah, it was definitely there. Chum. I yeah. don't remember because I'm not Cuddles. Yeah. It was, yeah, I believe it was. It was cuddles. So just like whole title cards were different. Or? Yeah, I believe so because that's Which the other is thing. Wild. Um, yeah. I don't. Did they refer to in this movie the the location that Levitt and Hugh are kind of working at um, is referred to as the plantation. That's what it says. It doesn't say out east. It I don't just remember says the plantation. Them ever no, plantation. I, I feel like I, feel I, like I would have picked up on. that. I feel like that would have affected my reading of the yeah. whole plot. Yeah. So I think it. It honestly, there may have. I may have just watched a completely fucking different thing with like little small differences. I, you watched the that. Pleasure Sanctuary. I, oh. <laughs> it's just a different movie. I will say I remember vaguely a mention of a plantain and a mention of cuddles, but there is also chum in the east. We can we so can split like, the difference uh, between these two versions. Memory, you know. Well, yeah. This is Blade where we kinda, next week. <laughs> this is where we tread into um, Berenstein Berenstein territory. So let's sure. be careful and kind of back out of the yeah. Uh, Twilight Zone. Forgetting Berenstein, uh, which I'm going to I'm going to say that we can we can split the difference between these two movies. I know we're going off track a little bit. And let's just call the dog Cum. <laughs> Yo. Shout out. Um, What's that, Cody? Shout out to the dog in this movie. Yeah, the no, dog uh, was... yeah, shout out to the dog. We already said that. It's fine. It's we fine. know okay. your name's no, Cody. I, I, yeah, we get that you're Cody. You're Cody. We know. What is up with you today? Okay, going for a... Just say Cum and Cody just loses it. Take another donut. Yo, what up? Going for a second donut, really, already. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, so... We haven't brought this up really, but so th- this movie, the second half, takes a weird turn. Yeah, this is. It felt to me like uh, this is the dumb thing that I kept saying, but uh, it it felt to me like it was uh, written on the go, like sort of as they filmed it. Um, Nabil, you said it was like an improv. 
class, specifically like a high school improv play, because it had the energy and the freneticism and the ambition of a high school improv play. And racism. But it, but it also had the unprofessionalness and the moderate racism. Yeah. Uh, right. Of a high school improv. Every thing. high school, every high school, like uh, we had like a film class, and they'd have to direct their own like short film and then play it as like you know the the student short films, and every single one would be like extremely racist, and it'd be like, what the every, fuck? How did man? they get away with this? Like, if you're the teacher, you're not just like, hey, just cut out that minute where you were yeah. extremely blatantly racist. It does feel a little bit like that, specifically in the sense that there are entire scenes of this movie that are that exist just to be racist and not forward anything. Oh yeah, like yeah. there's that when he first arrives in the east, uh, he east. was just like. <laughs> Yeah, the East, quote-unquote. I thought you said Weiss. Uh, um, He was just walking through, like, a village, and he just, like, meets the, I guess, the plantation manager, played by Louis Brody. Yeah. And he just, like, looks at the dude, and they shake hands, and he's like, God, it's nice to see another white man. And, like, that's it. That's the whole scene. And it's like, why did that have to be there? (laughs) It's fucked up. Um, Alfred Hitchcock. But anyway, Um, I I mean it in the sense that, like, even as I was watching this movie, like, Act one or act three of this movie is such a departure from act one that I kept thinking, like, how the fuck did we get here? Yeah. It's like the movie sets so many things up pretty well, I feel like. I, In my opinion, the first act of this movie is, like, far and away the most enjoyable yeah. and interesting part. It was the part where I kept making jokes to Jason. I was like, oh, this is Mulholland Drive. This is all about <laughs> Eve. Like, yeah. Because, it, like, it sets up this, this pretty good dynamic relationship between Jill and Patsy. Like, Jill starts as this sort of, like, destitute, um, mm-hmm. desperate person who who doesn't have any luck and, and doesn't have any clue. And uh, Patsy puts her up and helps her. And then Jill starts to uh, climb and she forgets her friends, and it really hardcore abandons that. Yeah, uh, well, that's, that whole thing. That's the shame of it because, like that again, that relationship between those two women is was my favorite part of the movie. It's, it's very and positive. it's like it's, it's fertile ground, and, and it's it's also like really uh, classic Hitchcock. Like we're about to talk about stage fright later, and like like setting up and framing stories about acting and about actors and about what it means to sort of perform mm-hmm. is like such a Hitchcock thing, uh, and you can see the like foundations of that and then it just again like abandons that in favor of like much more nebulous and not very good plot angles i i think one of my biggest critiques of the first act though on that note is the fact that um through the character like design and through kind of other means as well when i first saw it at the when i saw it at the trial on I had a hard time differentiating who was Patsy and who was Jill, mm. especially within like a given scene. To the and po- it doesn't feel intentionally. No, you know, yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like some sort doesn't, of persona. It's not kind like twinning thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. and um, it's it just it's just simply where like I consider myself a fairly uh, adaptive person or like receptive when it comes to things, but I genuinely thought Jill was the um, person who was hosting Patsy, and Patsy yeah. was mm-hmm. yeah. and so, interesting. Yeah, and, yeah, and so. For me, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. It was interesting because I thought, oh, um, you know, Patsy was kind of this humble, uh, up-and-coming person, and then Jill leaves her for bigger sights is kind of mm. like a moving-on-up thing. Yeah. And so, yeah. Instead of just, I guess, it's like in contrast to uh, Jill being a social climber, it's Jill's already existed and then just simply like moving up the So it's like a whole different movie, kind it, of. It was. Yeah. It was fascinating to kind of see the two dynamics of it. it Interesting. It feels like I watched it, and then I watched, like, the Twin Snakes edition or, like, the director cut DX. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. Um, yeah, I have to say that I, 
I don't. I think there's maybe a, a reading of the movie where the, that's like a very interesting dynamic, where kind of the two lead actresses do look very similar. They have the same hairstyle. I mean, in, um, that's a that's a fertile and often sort of repeated trope in yeah specifically movies like this, like yeah. all about even Mulholland Drive. I mean, Mulholland Drive is obviously a take on that, but like. All About Eve, again, is, like, all about, like, yep. the, Eve. the endless production and reproduction of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I agree. It just felt in this movie like it wasn't intentional. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Fucking art, art lives on beyond the artist. Right. We're we're but, comparing a movie by a guy who was probably in his mid-20s, early 30s. Back I think, to, like, yeah, it's also just, like, years not ago the now. best. Well, you know, it's not the most well-lit movie. Like, it is an older film. So mm-hmm. They do some cool things with lighting, too. though. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. that that scene uh, I brought up earlier where like she uh, Patsy and um, Levitt go back to her apartment and it's blue and then she mm-hmm. hits the light and all of a sudden it's orange. That and, is like, really cool. It's it's like weird diegetic lighting because like you didn't you never really knew if if how we were supposed to be interpreting the mm-hmm. lighting because it's very like silent film expressionistic lighting throughout yeah. this movie um, uh, and so to see the sort of it's like almost a visual gag when she turns on that light and like the orange happens I noticed that happening more after and one of the big plot points is that um, after Jill leaves uh, Patsy falls for in kind of nefarious ways falls for yeah. uh, Hughes partner business partner uh, Levitt as, as Levitt um, which is again like something I actually liked about this movie because um, there's like a classic Hitchcockian like lack of sentimentality to their relationship where like like Levitt is like is like very canny and very understanding mm-hmm. of social dynamics and class dynamics and he like he like basically approaches Patsy that way where like their courtship is very much like a matter of like two people who understand who they are and where they are and and it's like it's it there's something very um pragmatic and frugal about their their relationship at least at first um, especially because it, it all unfolds in the shadow of Jill and Hugh, who mm-hmm. have like a very classic romantic sort of like epic story, yeah. at least at first, until Jill falls in with Prince Ivan. But yeah, I was going to say if uh, if you did like the first act of this film, uh, I would very highly recommend. There is a 1926 French uh, experimental film. Hey, you're going to bring this uh, up. Yeah, what? There's a 1926 uh, French experimental film called uh, Menilmontant. Uh, that was a uh, little IMDb trivia here. Pauline Kael's favorite movie. Hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Who's that? Can... You mean Colin Coburn? Shut up. <laughs> no, stop it. That was local humor. Yeah. Know, but it's Pauline Kael's favorite movie. It's it is local about... Humor, it's pretty everybody. good local humor. It is pretty good local humor, but like, you know, this is a global podcast. We have global <laughs> reach here. We have listeners all over Mr. the world. Mr. Locally yeah. One of our 14 <laughs> listeners. Uh, podcast. No, I think we everybody have listeners trial in trial on all over the world. <laughs> I'm just recommending it as a film about two sisters living in an apartment in France, and it is the same kind of slightly interchangeable, and they, they kind of have this love triangle with the same guy. Mm. Uh, and it is it is a very good movie. Uh, it is a, Igmar Bergman's a, Persona. Yeah, is it uh, also a silent film? It is a silent film. Maybe the uh, year after this. Though, it is right? very experimental, though, and very interesting kind of shots and use of collage. and it, It's good. It's, All right. Maybe sounds watch rad. that instead. It sounds like the French version of this movie. Yeah, the French better <laughs> version of this movie. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. I saw yeah. that earlier this year. That's so I was valid. like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that sounds up. great. Uh, I also think um, on a comparison note, it's similar to this movie reminded me a lot of one of my favorite uh, Shakespeare plays, The Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. Um, especially with like the love triangle aspect or the mm-hmm. love kind of like quadrangle to it. Um, and I think that's definitely an underrated plot device that Hitchcock used to kind of yeah. send this movie on its way. It's mm-hmm. not really a love triangle until the end, though. Yeah, like, those pieces don't really fall into... Again, the, the it's, plot... It's two relationships that sort of 
develop in parallel and I, then converge. I, yeah. I, I yeah. saw it though from like the very beginning of the movie, simply because he, uh, Hitchcock used uh, chum or cuddles, whichever you prefer. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm not I use, don't. Prefer- no, no, no. Um, <laughs> no, we're gonna say cuddles <laughs> or chum. Are we? And, or chum. Um, what if I just paste in that word <laughs> over every time you mention this dog? <laughs> like just like bleep it in. Like yeah. <laughs> use like Crumb. Google like text <laughs> through the magic of editing. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Uh, I think Patsy had made a comment. Patsy or Jill, again, yep. my apologies, uh, had made a comment about how uh, the dog had never reacted to Levitt as he had another person. Mm, so yep. you're already given a fo- like a foreshadowing. Yeah, that, that Levitt is no good. Person. Yeah, 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 for right. sure. So, so I kind of interpreted that as a potential love triangle as using power dynamics and approaching cheating and class and stuff like yeah. that so i assume yeah. at the end of the movie there's the does the movie end on the dog you know oh, it sound it looks like cuddles was right all along Didn't i think it? so there okay. was a scene similar to that yeah but it, so it does pay off in that manner and maybe this is kind of a greater point to bring up where the you know i didn't really love this movie as a whole and there's a, a lot of problematic stuff i think we're maybe going to get to in a bit but i think there are kind of hints of of the Hitchcock to come, to come for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, I think that's yeah. definitely worth true. Touching base on that it, from the, even the first scene. The first scene is a uh, uh, in a theater where you get kind of all the classic uh, trademarks yeah. of a of lot Hitchcock, of the, right? the, the voyeurism tropes for and, and themes that that Hitchcock returns to throughout his career appear here in like uh, like prototypical form in yeah. a really interesting way. It's, it's yeah. kind of like seeing like Blood Simple. You know what I mean? Like the a color. little bit. Yeah. Uh, which is it's interesting because I also talked about that in uh, Stage Fright, how Stage Fright is like also a weird prototype for Hitchcock movies mm-hmm. going forward. But that's a much later movie, so it, it's also better. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, fucking, like yeah. <laughs> world's better. But uh, anyway, we'll talk about that momentarily. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess I guess that gets to the heart of what I wanted to talk about with this movie. Near the end, of course, it gets more. To me, it felt way more Hitchcock toward like the third act, and it's really weird to talk about this movie in acts because it is like. 60, 70 minutes long, so mm-hmm. each act is maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, but is like, what did you see in this movie that you specifically recognized in later Hitchcock? Because this is the earliest Hitchcock anybody's going to see, but we've all seen at least a smattering of Hitchcock, right? I don't know yeah. your familiarity in the Beale. I, um, I'm familiar with his works, but I haven't, in like a, a general sense, but I actually haven't seen like a lot of his seminal works. Okay. And by that, I mean any. But you so, know, like <laughs> the, the, the basic themes yeah, and ideas yeah. and Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he was a dick to women and like yeah. the abusive yep. like things and horror mm-hmm. and the plot twists, et cetera. Yeah. So then I'm curious about like what each of y'all saw in this movie that was like a great progenitor to like a specific The fact thing. that he was a dick to women and there was a murder <laughs> of women and a plot yeah. twist. Yeah. So. I feel like yeah. the progenitor to that was like him being conceived inside yeah. his mother's womb. <laughs> he was kind of born I give, with that. Can I go back in time and kill baby Hitchcock? Hitchcock or prevent World War II. <laughs> Which would you kill, Hitchcock or Hitler? Which Adolf? What? Which, uh, Hitchcock. Alfred. It's not Adolf. Hit, Hitchcock and his dog. Hitchler. <laughs> um, All right. Just to, I think it's maybe we should spend like 15 seconds summing up the last bit of this movie, yeah. just mm-hmm. so we can get it out of the fucking way. Here's and the middle, ha- the middle yeah. of the movie. <laughs> Here's what happens at the end of this movie: Levitt and Hugh are on. Uh, they they go back to the plantation uh, somewhere in Africa. And uh, Levitt has been kind of like sleeping with, uh, being with this this referred to as native girl uncredited, uncredited. Uh, played by Elizabeth uh, Papritz. It is a white woman wearing blackface yes. uh, who is a native woman with big air quotes there. And she's like wearing like almost Just a like coconut a top. bra. Yeah. It's yeah. like bullshit, it's, dude. Like, yeah, it, it sucks ass. Sucks. Um, and so... Uh, Patsy uh, goes to Africa because she thinks that uh, 
Levitt is uh, sick, and she finds him hanging out with this lady. Philandering with Philandering it, yeah. with and this woman. And obviously underage Stupid, woman. sexy philandering. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, he gets really mad about being fi- uh, found out and uh, uh, just kind of kills her? Kills the native he, girl? He has some sort of like really twisted psychological justification for himself, right? Yeah. It's like he, he kind of like breaks down. He was um, also very under the influence. I'm not saying that yeah, he's yeah. very another youthful. That's it. That's yeah, it. He, yeah, he is kind of an, an alcoholic, very angry man. Um, and the scene in which he kills her is, like, the extremely uncomfortable to watch in, like, yes. every single way. Um, it's the first instance of, like, real violence in this movie, right? It's, it's like, really stark, upsetting violence, especially mm-hmm. I was not expecting it for this time. Yeah. I remember back in middle school, like, when you're studying kind of, like, the traditional plot devices and, mm-hmm. and, and how that goes, It the movie kind of... Um, sets up the base in the beginning, and in the middle, my my least favorite part of the movie was actually the second act and the honeymoon, which we'll sure. probably yeah, get into that, later. It's the part where down. it barely is a movie. Yeah, um, but at the end, um, it very quickly comes to that climax of the murder, like the yeah. drowning, and then it very quickly resolves itself. So it's like a very traditional plot structure, just boom, peak, yeah. and yeah. Then boom, resolution. Sure. Um, so so after she is drowned. Uh, Patsy and Hugh kind of start to realize that maybe they love each other in like a very rushed manner, um, and then Levitt. Gets this is all sort angry. of happening at once. Yeah. Like if it sounds it if like it sounds a little minutes. bit crowded, it's because it is a little bit crowded in the movie. It's very crowded. Yeah. Um, so there's like this weird love affair between them for like a minute. Levitt gets very angry, and then Patsy kind of goes with Levitt in order to calm him down. Uh, in the middle of the night, he has like a vision of the woman that he drowned. Elizabeth Pepreets, a yeah. native girl, uncredited. Uncredited. He has a, a vision of her ghost, and then he, so he convinces him, convinces himself that uh, the ghost of that woman is angry at him, and in order to uh, make Pacify it all better, her. yeah, he he must kill Patsy. And so there's a very is, classic Hitchcock scene. Yeah, which is also why he killed the native girl in the first place, right? Was yeah. the idea that like, oh, if I can just extinguish this person, I can go back to the life that I had. Like yeah. she's the one standing in the way of my happiness and then he yeah. classically finds that about Patsy also. The problem is never him. It's also, it's always the women in his life. Phantom of the East. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he grabs a sword off the wall and he's approaching her in classic Hitchcock uh, manner. And fashion. right before he kills her, uh, there's like, you know, the, the scene of just like the camera focusing on like a gun that goes off uh, and you're like, oh, who is that? And it's just some dude who shot it's him. It's Louis Brody, the plantation manager, uncredited. The one who had three seconds before this in is the he, movie. He's the same guy who was like, oh, thank God. Another white another man. White, he's, yep. the, he's that other white man. Yeah. So he was part of the plot. And then, uh, but, but he quickly specifies that, oh, no, Hugh told me that, he, that you were in trouble. So really, Hugh saved the day. And then black guys carry Hugh, who is sick, in on like a palaquin. Like he's yeah. literally on a stretcher and they carry him in and he's like, I saved the day. And it was like, <laughs> it, in like a smarter movie, it would have been pretty funny that like actually like, like black dudes did all the work and like you're just here to take credit for it. Yeah. That's not really how it's framed in this movie. No, it's definitely framed as him just kind of Actually in. saving the it, day. A smarter movie would have had him like hobbling like even later Hitchcock would have shown it would have cut it would have edited to you know him hobbling very sick and with he, a gun like and trial, like, is he gonna yeah, make right, it in right. time that rear window moment of and yeah. it would have been raining absolutely yeah it would have been raining and he would have been slowly making his way to the hut where something bad's happening yeah. but like this isn't a very good movie so <laughs> I can't do that right 
Um, and and then the you know uh, and again, Hugh like, and Patsy get we sh- married. We should again. point so out that they, like it sounds like we're talking about two different movies, right? Like, it's bizarre. Like there was a a drowning in the African Sea at the end of this movie about two London actresses, <laughs> yeah. and like. It's it's wild how it gets from from there to here. If you are thinking, yeah, this is a very rushed plot summary, like yeah, that that this is right. what happens. And like in the movie. like Nabil brought up, like there's also a whole second act, which like is a good third of the movie where almost nothing happens. It's just like this this weird. I, I actually kind of liked the honeymoon now that I think about it because of how weird it is, and like how uh, like it's it's Levitt and Patsy. They get married after uh, it. I don't know. Uh, after Jill is with um, Prince Ivan and uh, Hughes away, and, and Levitt sort of like coerces her. Right, and she's distanced from Jill, and the further she gets from Jill, the more she's distanced emotionally and physically. She starts to fall into like the right. wrong hands. She's running out of options. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there are pretty great, pretty terrible scenes of of Levitt like being really gung ho to sleep with Patsy, and then Patsy is like, "Well, we're we're gonna like get Be married, right?" Yeah, and and he's just like, "Oh, actually, I gotta go." <laughs> uh, it it sucks, but it's like it it felt weirdly contemporary to mm-hmm. me. Um, and then finally, they have their honeymoon, and the honeymoon is just bad, like. It's long mm. and almost silent, and like the the Dreamland Faces do a, did a really good job of like like discordant sort of un- disquieting yeah. music, and like they're in these like big mansions, and like there's all of this physical distance between them, and then there's that great scene where he takes the rose that she gave him and throws it away, and she's like, "That was the rose I gave you," and he goes, "Yes, but it's withered now," and it's like, "Damn." I'm gonna be honest. I think all that was cut from my version of the movie. Really? I think the whole honeymoon. I don't. I didn't see any of that. It felt wow. pretty long yeah. because it's where things start to slow down. In our you version, said that so was I... your least favorite part of the movie, Nabil. Yeah. Um, Talk shit. That was my least favorite part of the movie because I appreciated the beginning part because I think it's generally like a well-established very kind of almost lighthearted trope, right? I, it was easy to watch. And I enjoyed the end part, like the, the third act of the movie, because it was so comically outrageous that I could watch it in retrospect and be like, oh, yeah, that's it was almost slapstick-esque, just sure. given the historical yeah. context that we have watching it nine sure. years later. Um, but the second part of the movie I had a hard time watching because it was still difficult to see where the plot was going to go it meandered is very much the, the correct word to to describe this part yeah. um the lighting was cool i definitely using like the mood lighting the colors usage there and was some of the shots too yeah the shots were fantastic it was shot on location in lake como they actually in, in italy and they actually ran out of money while shooting it, and they were having trouble getting harassed by mussolini's regime i saw i read all this wow. on wikipedia yeah it was really fascinating having that historical context yeah yeah. yeah for yeah. sure um, but again, outside of the foreshadowing usage of the rose, outside of the lighting, the rest of it was really meandering and just really weird and really slow. Um, there's a part in the first act that I was kind of uncomfortable with where it talks about Jill and Patsy having to look out for each other mm-hmm. in order to not fall into the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. And that's something that has aged so badly historically in my eyes where um, I was just like, why do they have to look out for each other? <laughs> like, Why is this a predatory situation for a, them to yeah, be in? A, why is it a predatory situation? And B, why is it not like the individual's like responsibility to just be like, hey, like, you know, I got this. I can take care of it. Like it, it stripped away both women of their agency, mm. which I thought was very interesting. Sure. I think in, in the place of that, I think it – if it is doing what you're saying of stripping their agency, which I think is a really interesting take of, of their characters, um, I think it's replacing that with like – 
again a community solidarity kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like that they almost unionize. Like she, uh, Jill or Patsy gives Jill sort of the confidence to ask for a raise before she's even hired. Right. Like yeah. uh, Mr. Hamilton is like, well, I'll give you five pounds a week or whatever, and she's like, No, you'll give me twenty five pounds a week to start. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and as you pointed out, it's Jill's failure to reciprocate that. Uh, that unification, that looking out, that drives Patsy to Levitt um, mm-hmm. because she feels like she's run out of options or she doesn't have confidence in herself because right. Jill didn't support her. To me, Which, to like me, you that's... said, it like it like maybe says some some kind of shitty things about the like women needing some sort of external support in a way that they don't. Uh, that's an interesting take for sure. Yeah, but even then, I'm talking even on like a more I guess surface level, like less kind of politically, like sociopolitically analytical level mm-hmm. of. I just hadn't gotten that takeaway from the first act of uh, Patsy feeling like she didn't have options. So I didn't, I actually, when watching it, I didn't pick up on that trope at all. So I thought it was just sort of a, like, she kind of foolishly fell in love or was like, you know, again, the power dynamics maybe felt intimidated into falling in love with Levitt. Hmm, yeah. But, um, or, like or kind of like a more like utilitarian relationship. Felt, yeah, yeah, less felt, like an actual it did romance. Feel like yeah. that. It, there's like that's another. You you asked what we saw about this in Hitchcock, and like that was a big one for me. Is is like so many Hitchcock movies uh, view love in a really cynical light. Uh-huh. Um, even when they don't, it's there's an interesting dynamic there. But like. Uh, I, I really saw um, Patsy and Levitt's relationship as pretty cynical, and it felt like it was a reproduction of Jill and Hugh's, like, really Mm. pointedly. It was like they both, like, Levitt sort of wanted to be Hugh, and Patsy sort of wanted to be Jill, and they both sort of, like, found each other in that way. And, like, the most they had in common was, like, a mutual yearning towards something, Mm -hmm. um, which is underdeveloped in the movie itself, in my opinion. Yeah, Um, Another thing that this movie does that a lot that some Hitchcock movies do that I just hate is like there's almost like a like a weird like uh, Buster Keaton esque like these scenes exist just for comedy and it's like we need to put some it's it's like an old school ver- like uh, methodology to filmmaking where like there are comedic scenes that can just stand detached from the movie that can take up like a lot of real estate that don't contribute at yeah, all but they they're just really there fit. because like. This is a movie, and like we wanted to do all of these things, and like, yeah. like the the apartment uh, people that Patsy, which like maybe do fit in to the movie a little bit better, but like they're they're just I don't know there there's some weird choices with what we choose to focus on yeah, in this I think, movie. I think um, where later Hitchcock films, well, they're all later Hitchcock films, yeah, but later Hitchcock films found a way to like connect those themes and those specific shots and those ideas and those characters in more fluid ways where this movie is just like, here are the themes, here are the ideas, here are the plot, and just throw them into a 70-minute movie. You know, sometimes it feels a little jumbled like that. It's right. Occasionally there's harmony between the between the parts, but for me it didn't. Um, uh, what was everybody's favorite line from this movie? It's a good one. I'll have to think about that. I know this was uh, largely a silent film, um, but if we're doing favorite lines, I think my favorite line was um, at some point kind of the start of the third act uh, where um, where they got together and um, Hugh, uh, I, I think if I get the wording right here, he said, uh, so that's it, huh? Or some kind of the pleasure garden. God damn it, Cody. Every time. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Another fucking Suicide Squad reference. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so, I don't... Yeah, I'm going to be honest. It's not very good. Uh, yeah, I, movie, I don't know. I mean, great. like, the, the joke that I made uh, after we watched it was like, 
oh, maybe I really don't need to see any movies that were made before 1940. <laughs> I, it, it's just like, I, I think that this is maybe just, there was like a sensibility to filmmaking that like maybe doesn't hold up to contemporary <laughs> audiences. There was just like so many weird choices when it comes to what to focus on. And like yeah. the fact that this movie really doesn't feel like it's driving towards something thematically. I mean, like, we've we've actually done a pretty good job of, like, sussing out or, or dredging up some big ideas here. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think... And I there's th- there's a lot of later Hitchcock that, that we can lean on to, to find. I, I think I'm if, sorry to interrupt if you. This movie, no. Oh, sorry. No, it's all good. Was, if this movie exists outside of context with other Hitchcock films, like... Man, uh, that's it's an even rougher watch right. than it already is. And it, it's like primarily interesting because of what it led it's to. It's probably yeah, because okay, there's uh, yeah, you've got some blonde woman at the start of the film. There's the voyeurism aspect. There is kind of the tense thriller aspect near the end of the movie. It's okay, you can kind of tie this to right. Hitchcock's ups and downs later in his career, but it's just brutal. In addition to being like <laughs> exemplary of early Hitchcock, I think it's exemplary of early movies though. Yeah. Like yes, why people went to the so. movie was to be thrilled to see something that they wouldn't see in real life to like to laugh to cry to exactly where in movies by like the the 40s and 50s we started to see like the tropes. stronger narratives uh, longer ideas you know better flesh out better pacing but I yeah I mean I, I don't know how much I can fault this movie because I you know I will never know what it was like to go to a movie that's like right. that contemporaneously yeah. and this is where I'll kind of provide the contrasting opinion um, is that I genuinely enjoyed the movie and not in like an ironic like wow this is a train wreck enjoyment yeah. I genuinely enjoyed it and I thought for its time it was a good movie and so yeah. uh, there definitely are like the racism and, and other parts have aged badly there's definitely some critiques I have with the meandering of the second act mm-hmm. but on an objective score for a 1925 movie I'd give it like an 8 out of 10 yeah. I actually do think that there was enough foreshadowing that the idea of you know, two actresses at a pleasure garden going, getting caught into a love triangle or love quadrangle or whatever, and then there being, like, a horror murder twist at the end is legitimately a good movie. If you take that structure, it has parallels to, like, a Jordan Peele movie of this day, of, like, having a a main concept and then a horror twist to it. Hmm. So I don't think that's that far off. I just think that the racism and the writing and and some of the small mechanical errors can make it fall flat for us. Yes. I I gotta say, in regard to, I don't know, just comparing this movie maybe to other films around that time or whether it's worth watching anything before 1945 or whatever, the the, the scene specifically where the, again, big air quotes here, native girl uncredited uh, is drowned, was so incredibly hard to watch and it does make me think that violence in silent films is somehow a lot worse. Very yeah. impactful, and it's you know a woman being drowned is certainly horrific, but it is there's a lot of violence in modern films. Yeah, right? like exactly. you can go see John Wick; he's killing a guy with a there's pencil. There's a cartoon movie, like it's right. so prevalent in modern yeah. day, where I think our preconceptions of what the 1920s looked like or 1920s media mm-hmm. makes yeah. it have really that informed much, this. Yeah, yeah. In, in similar ways, also like the the sharpness of the writing, and like I think that that some of the writing in this in this movie is really good in in a classic Hitchcock sense. Mm-hmm. A line that really stuck out to me was uh, when Patsy is leaving Levitt after he finds her. Uh, she finds him with the native girl is she says like oh I, like you can't come back with me now I can't deprive this child of her home and it was like oh <laughs> like god damn like, let's go uh, that was strong big yeah. dick energy and, like, there, walking there, out there's of that some hut. like really like like sharp lines in this movie yeah. um, in a way that I didn't again and like like maybe uh, you were saying it's, it's like a prejudice thing but like I wasn't expecting writing yeah. that sharp mm-hmm. uh, and specific 
I, th- I think it is kind of notable when when moments like that happen, and even specifically with like the violence, it is kind of like a betrayal of trust with how like we understand a lot of early silent films. For sure. Like, oh yeah, they wouldn't show. They couldn't show like ankles or people sleeping in the same bed, but they're going to show like this yeah, woman this is being a very just very brutally murdered. Respect. Yeah. Um, um, and and even for within the. Um, Within the genre, we weren't expecting. So I would say, like, like yeah. even divorced of our context, I feel like in the context of the time, um, Levitt's murder of the native girl would have been yeah. frightening. Mm-hmm. And he was a love interest up to this point, yeah. which is also I mean, you could see that he was an asshole. Yes, but, I, like, he's, yeah, he's he was. pretty clearly foreshadowed it as the antagonist, yeah. like Nabil said. With the rose and the dog, yeah. Yeah, but still, uh, it, there's, there's it something still interesting shocking. about mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I think the idea of a, a dramatic film having moments like that is kind of... It's something that probably wouldn't happen today. Like, if you were going to have a scene like that, it would probably be in a horror film or in a film that's at least kind of set up contextually as a film where stuff like that can happen. Like, I think if we were just watching a dramatic film today and something like that were to happen near the end, it would be pretty shocking um, because there is kind of this acceptable range of, like, behavior that we see in films, right? Even good, artful films um, and... And the silent films back then just kind of didn't give a fuck. We're like, we're like, uh, in order to make Levitt the character he was, um, I, what does that mean? I'm sorry. I was trying to use SWAT terms for like, wrap time it, to wrap it up. up. Yeah. Oh, damn. Are, are we, well, John's waiting. John's oh, sorry. Uh, He's going to know how long we spoke about this yeah. while he was waiting um, downstairs. Like, to make Levitt the character him. he was, you would have to do the, like, 12 Years a Slave thing where, like, by the end of that movie, Michael Fassbender is, like, a monster human mm-hmm. and, like, always was, but, like, like, and, Even and more like, so. Like, correct, correctly, right? Like, mm-hmm. that makes sense in the in the context of that movie and, and that time. But, like, it's it's almost hilarious how he's, like, like, like evil personified by the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they didn't really do that with Levitt uh, in an interesting and maybe uh, semi-subversive way where it was, like, the fact that he was just a guy up until the point when he murdered a, w- mm-hmm. like, young woman for his own... He's, like, well-dressed throughout until that point where he's wearing, like, a mesh shirt and he's all scrawny and, like, sweaty and jittery. It's, and it's, he's, it's he's a like, turn. a foil to uh, to both Patsy and um, Hugh in that, like, he comes from the same place and he's, like, sort of navigating the same... World. Waters, yeah. Waters. John. That he drowned the native girl in. At the theater. Farewell. Uh, so I no, that was it. That's the end of the podcast. No, nope. I wanted to leave it open one last time for uh, Cody's final thought. Oh yeah, Cody. Uh, what do you got, Cody? Wow, you Harry, thanks for putting me on the spot just as I'm taking a sip of coffee. Well, sorry, I can't just wait for you to finish your coffee all the time, Cody. Damn. Just, to, just tell us. Maybe like, drink less coffee. Okay. Instead of watching, watching the Pleasure Garden, I think, uh, I think what I would have infinitely preferred was instead listening to Secret Garden by Bruce Springsteen for 75 straight minutes. Hmm. It's wild that he That's said that mean, and then Cody, Cody said that. Yeah. Why would they both said that at once? They said the exact same That's thing. That's crazy. How yeah. did you did you plan that? Pardon my reach, just grabbing another donut here. Oh yeah, no, yeah, grab grab the last donut. Go ahead. Yeah. Um yeah, any, I guess, final, do we want to do final thoughts? This is a shorter podcast, but it's a shorter film, so yeah, yeah do we want yeah. to wrap uh, it up? Final I think, thoughts? I think I've said my final thoughts from the beginning. I really liked the relationship between Jill and Patsy. Uh, I really liked some of the ways that this movie was shot. Some of the writing was great. The performance by um, Dreamland Faces was an excellent comparison. I'm so uh, glad we got to see it that, that way. Was, that, I don't think that I would watch it the way Aaron did, uh, personally. Like, a lot shorter. <sighs> if I ever watch sorry it Sorry for burping. I'm sorry if you just picked that up. 
I've been eating donuts. The man. best thing, best thing to do if you want to, uh, if you want people to it's do just to something, stop is to talk the podcast. About it. So yeah. if you could go back and isolate the burp uh, and really stretch we, it out, will do. Uh, thank you again for listening to Try Love. I'm Jason. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. I'm Nabil. I'm Harry. And we will talk to you again soon. You can leave a space for Cody. Who? Instead of watching the pleasure yeah, garden, Cody, uh, I think <laughs> what I would have. Inf-